0: Welcome Resurrecting Our Freedom, Dr. Fred, Dr. Doug, you know who we are. We got an amazing guest today, but hey, before we get started, you know what we do, man. We start this the same way. So here we go. We the people, that's us, that's you too, and that's you watching and listening of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. Man, I don't know what time you're watching this, but we've been a few days into the riots here. I don't think that feels much like unity. What do you guys think? I don't think so either. Establish justice. There's anything but justice going on, especially for business owners. Broken windows, malls. People now getting shot. Police officers. That ain't justice. Domestic. Ensure domestic tranquility. That went out the window with crimes. The most common defense. Promote general welfare. All these things blown out the window, and secure the blessing. of to ourselves and our posterity to uh, do, ordain, and establish. This Constitution for the United, what's that word? United States of America. So it seems like before we get into this in every podcast, all of these things have been have been blown out the window, shot with a shotgun, and we are here to bring back and help bring back awareness that we can help people take a stand, which is exactly one of the reasons you're here. Great leader and chiropractor. You've you become a leader now outside of chiropractic with the Revealed Films. Uh, you have a book out. Uh your stand is your brand. Dr. Patrick Gentempo, thanks for being with us today. You're
1: welcome.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you know, as the old saying goes, maybe we have in uh, interesting times. Um yep. these are interesting times. And um, you know, if if uh, just as a little I guess response to your, your introduction, um you know, if some if this book was written before any of this stuff was going on before COVID. <laughs> before, you know, the George Floyd situation and, and we're in the midst of, you know, literally, you know, the world being on fire. Um, and, uh, but if there is ever time to take a stand and, uh, you know, everybody I think has to decide for themselves what that stand needs to be, but if there's ever time to take a stand, uh, it's hard to be complacent or passive in the current circumstances. Go ahead.
1: Okay, Patrick, I, I, I read your book great book. And I, was, I found it fascinating that one of the commonalities that you and I have, uh, both of us had traumas. Uh, I, I had a pretty bad sickness. I had chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and I was a medical failure. And um, at the hands of the chiropractor, I found wholeness and wellness and hope. And I got that message from what I believe was God, that you're going to be a chiropractor to give others hope. I, I did not know in all these years, I've known you that you had the same Similar experience that you had that accident in New York, and um, you were going to be an actor apparently, and uh, that didn't uh, go the direction you wanted, and you changed course. And tell us about that.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of twice this sort of happened. So, you know, the first what got me to become a chiropractor was in you know a serious wrestling injury in high school. That um, in that sense, I was a, um, a medical failure also. You know, you're your extraordinary pain getting off the mat, can't move my neck, you know, swelling, muscle splinting, et cetera. And, you know, go to my GP um, and was to give you muscle relaxers, painkillers, and anti inflammatories. And fortunately for me, those drugs made me sick, didn't work. And uh, my mom took me to a chiropractor. So I, she had enough foresight to say you need something different. I didn't really understand that a chiropractor was something different than a medical doctor then until I got that first adjustment. And I was. <laughs> I was uh, pretty startled, but I uh, got up off the table and I was like 90% better instantly. And I said, what was this? And it was a 45 minute conversation subsequent to that, that. The chiropractor explained the whole thing to me. And, and I said, that's that's it. I want to be a chiropractor. I, it was the philosophy and the principles that spoke to me. <clears throat> when you fast forward, I went through chiropractic school, got out of school, got licensed, um, was searching for a place, to place of practice. Um, and uh suddenly uh, this thing happened my mom entered me in the contest end of winning you know the, i don't want to take up the whole podcast to talk about it but it and it, it caused me because was it was on national tv and and this this thing unfolded next thing you know i got agents calling me scripts in my hands so i move into new york city and i'm, I'm uh literally enacting in acting classes and I'm, I'm you know reading for all these movies and tv shows and so on and and uh you know my whole life took a left turn and uh, and then, yeah, on my way to acting class one morning on my bicycle, uh, I got hit by a truck. And, you know, <laughs> kind of- not talk about a pattern. Yeah, yeah. Talking about a, a pattern interrupt. So it interrupted everything. And, you know, when I was uh, pretty depressed and laid in my back and recovering, I got to thinking about things. I said, what the hell am I doing? This was not my purpose. It happened. So it, make, it feels that way. You know, sometimes opportunities open up and it's like, oh, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. But- um, you know upon reflection, I started to realize I just completely went way off you know the course that I was supposed to be on and and it got me back into uh you know the the, the career path that I uh, initially intended, which was the right path for me there you go.
0: so that was the first one of the first stands you took right there, right stand to be a chiropractor and uh, you know I think a lot of I talked about this on a Tuesday morning transformation today. You know a lot of a lot of our gifts and a lot of our purpose, a lot of times the stand we take does come out of trials. and it does come out of that pain. and I, and I truly believe that this is a time that a lot of people may define as chaos, but it can really give clarity and opportunity for people to step up and and create this new world into something that's better than uh, we're parting the veil on what's happened, and we have an opportunity to create something that's that's far
2: better. Yeah, well, you know, the, the developer chiropractic, BJ Palmer, wrote a book that was entitled Conflicts Clarify, and, uh, and it's exactly true. You know, uh, uh, clarification comes out of conflict. The, the hope here, though, is that, um, that there can be healing. Um, you know, we are, we are in a very, very serious and compromised uh, circumstance where fear uh, is overriding rationality. Uh, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, this whole COVID situation. And then you've got the flip side of the coin from fear is anger and you've got anger erupting over this uh, George Floyd situation. And I think, you know, I'm incensed by it. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm I'm very upset by what I've witnessed. Uh, However, I also believe that there are people whose time, I believe it's, it's documented you know whose agenda is to sow seeds of disruption, mayhem, uh, conflict, uh, anarchy. And uh, so you take, it's like taking a person who's in a very um, sensitive emotional state in general, and then, you know, adding as much irritation, aggravation, so that you push them over the edge and, and they erupt. So now, you know, what can be a voice of reason? What, you know, uh, can you take a stand? But it, 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 you know, right now, the stand is either on one side or the other, saying, you know, if you're on, on one side, I want anarchy, I want to incite riots. Say, I'm going to run around with signs that say, eat the rich, and I'm going to break into stores, and I'm going to loot. Them. And that causes a reaction on the other side, taking a stand, and saying, hey, you're crossing a line here. It's one thing to be upset about the fact that there is, a, you know, a, a really uh, evil policeman who killed somebody and he shouldn't have done that and needs to be held to account. It's another thing to say that I'm going to, I'm going to go and ransack and rob and do all kinds of horrible things just because I'm upset. Um, and people fanning those flames. So now the question is, you know, how do you, how do you try to get uh, some, some sense of reason back into you know the equation so that the world doesn't just end up in conflict and burn down, which is kind of the path it's on right now.
0: So you cover through, you go through this in your book, gaining clarity, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you have steps into taking a stand. Yeah. So why don't you share that? Yeah.
2: With... So. Go ahead. And this is what's important. You know, um, I believe that we all need to become stand takers right now, and um, and it's interesting because the principles of the book are um, generally applicable uh, in many respects. You know, I wrote this in the, through the lens of an entrepreneur who has started 16 businesses and, you know, understood, you know, kind of or gained understanding to what the soul of a business needs to be, how you need to have core values, how those core values lead to a statement of purpose, how that statement of purpose then translates into the actions and having, you know, congruency, integrity, et cetera. But then also the self-reflection aspect of this through years of personal journey as, as we've all been on is saying how to find your truest self, your, your inner self, uh, what I call finding your Miles Davis and letting that be expressed because a lot of times I think there's a conflict or a contradiction between what your own personal values are, who you truly are, but what you think is practical when you go to the marketplace with your business or, or your, your career. And uh, so this is all about creating alignment between those two things so that you can have full expression because one of the things that I've, I've come to understand um, is that purpose isn't really what you do. Purpose is really more who you are. And that's why the, the subtitle of the book is How Deciding Who to Be, Not What to Do, Can Transform Your Business, right? So um, in this case now, it's not you know, just about business. <laughs> it's really about your life. How do you want to show up? When, when when things hit the fan with COVID and there's a lot of uncertainty, what's gonna happen? You know, I mean, all this craziness going on and people saying, what should I do? You know, you know, do I need to do this? What should I be telling my kids? So, you know, what should I be doing about my business? What should, I, you know, should I be laying people off? Should I be you know, downsizing? Should I be constraining? Should I look for opportunity? I mean, all these questions were coming and coming at me from a lot of the people who follow me. And I, I said, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking, what should I do? It's the wrong question. The question should be in my mind, who do you need to be right now? And that will decide what you need to do. Who do you need to be as a parent right now in this circumstance? Who do you need to be as a spouse right now in this circumstance? Who do you need to be as a business leader right now in this circumstance? If you're a chiropractor, who do you need to be as a chiropractor, doctor, a lawyer, whatever you are, who do you need to be? And then you say, well, how do I know who to be? I say, well, that's where you have to get back to your values and your purpose. And that directs you as to how you need to show up in the current circumstances. So I, I think a lot of times people are unclear. They don't have clarity around their values. They don't have clarity around their purpose. They don't, under, they don't have an organizing philosophy. They don't have fundamental principles that guide them. So when there's trauma or drama or things go on, they get lost, they get dislocated, and then they're like you know, like blind men running down dark alleys waving their arms as compared to people who know how to uh, show up in these types of circumstances.
1: Patrick, I, I, that's interesting. And what I find to be the case in our society is I think our educational system doesn't really allow us to think of who we are, and what our values are, our educational system which, as you know, is based upon the Industrial Re- Revolution is tell us what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And so when we uh, are not told how to think but what to think, that creates a problem that I think you're alluding to.
2: Yeah, well, if you think about it, well, you know, if, if your whole life is being told how to think, then what's your identity? You don't have one, right? I mean, your identity is that I'm... A, um, I'm a pawn in a bigger game of which I have no control because I just get moved around a chessboard being told by the movers what I'm supposed to do. And this is, this is the whole concern about, um, if you look at uh, you know the whole nanny state concept and how a few people who have an arrogance to think that they're smarter than everyone else can decide what's best for everybody and everybody else is just supposed to get in line. They're told what to think, they're told how to behave. And, and, you know, that's a, that's a, in my mind, a very, very toxic view of humanity. Um, you know, we are uh, brought into this world, this country is incorporated based on the concept of inalienable rights to individuals. And that uh, one individual may not infringe on the rights of the other, but otherwise is free to pursue their own, you know, uh, you know, happiness, their own uh, well-being, their, you know, their life, liberty and, and, and pursuit of happiness. So uh, so what starts to happen, though, is that when some people start to think they're smarter than everybody else, then they start to want to control everybody else. And I'm not saying that it gets complicated, maybe sometimes with a thing like a pandemic. I've been in some of these debates where, where you know, should there be a, um, should businesses be forced sh- to shut down if there's people who want to open their business and people who want to patronize, you know, and people would say, well, yeah, but it's for the greater good. The greater good is the philosophy of communism, right? Individuals can be sacrificed for the greater good, it, and who gets to decide what the greater good is? And, you know, the arguments I get back, well, what if you got Typhoid Mary, who is infecting people by going out and walking around, then, you know, should that be permitted? So, so I, I, yeah, I, 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 am a philosopher at heart. I understand the, the, the uh, ethical considerations and how these might apply to fundamental principles. But what I can say is that we, is that I, I don't believe that, um, uh, that a lot of our leadership even knows how to think in principle. I believe that uh, that situational ethics are prevailing just as you can see now uh, you know, the same governors and mayors, you know, who just, you know, a short time ago were saying we cannot have people congregate, uh, you know, beyond a certain amount. There has to be a certain distance between them. They have to wear masks. Within hours, they're saying, no, these people have the right to protest. So then that's situational ethics. If if what was true before is still true, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't allow the protests to happen in the way they're happening. Maybe there's other forms of protest and virtual protests and what have you. But instead, you know, suddenly now what was here for the greater good to protect everybody, suddenly, oh, we, you know, that was a very subjective thing. People need to protest now because this very horrific thing happened. And so, you know, you, you, when you really dig into it, you, you start to say that um, none of this uh, is gives me much faith in, you know, a lot of our so-called leaders, or political leaders, especially. So... Um, and I'm not here to be a polarizing, um, you know, uh, person as far as a political party. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. You know, I'm neither. I'm a libertarian, you know, as far as my own political philosophy. So it's not like uh, I'm trying to advocate one camp versus the other. I'm taking a step back, looking at the principles and the circumstances and drawing my own conclusions. And I, I think that um, I think right now it's very important for people to, number one, wake up. I mean, really wake up, get out of the numbness of of whatever life was before. And number two, start to learn how to think for themselves, figure out their values, and then number three, to take a stand on those values once you've got that concluded. Yeah, there's no
0: question. The incongruencies have been almost overwhelming, and I think there's a lot of people that are waking up. You know, the the old time, old day uh, conspiracy theorists are now (laughs) are now finally finally getting their due, right? Cause they've been called names all this time. And that's like, okay, see now I'm telling you, right? And so I think people are generally waking up and I think the, the virus was a great vehicle to see that this whole time there's been, a, there's been another agenda and uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, even if people are paying attention a little bit, you know, we get in conversations with all kinds of people and they're saying something just doesn't make sense even people that aren't doing their homework and all you got to do is plug in on Facebook a little bit because it's all right in front of us. And this is really why we're doing this resurrecting our freedom is to be able to say we need to claim our independence individually as well as have unification. You know, we need to claim our independence individually and as chiropractors, you know, we just came back, Clinton just made a bunch, I'm Clinton, Trump just made a bunch of, uh, yeah, there's there's two very different people <laughs> made a bunch of decisions on on, uh, you know, the gates, ID 2020 and not making that vaccination not mandatory. You know, those are all freedom of choice. So so the incongruencies, I think, are creating more people that are thinking independently, that are questioning more than ever. And I think that's a good thing. We're parting the veil.
2: Well, it's 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 a it's a wake up call. Exactly. You know, um, I think that a lot of people are entering the arena. Um, unfortunately, some of it's driven by anger and rage and some of it's driven by fear as compared to vision and promise and, and, and proactivity. It's reactive to circumstance. Um, and there's a lot of very troubling things, you know, uh, you know that, that are kind of coming together all at once. Um, you know, I, am deeply concerned to a large degree about what's happening, um, you know, for this, this fall, you know, uh, this will be a very, very heated, polarized, uh, election season. Um, and that in and of itself is usually a tough thing, the weather, but now we've got all these other inflammatory factors that, that come into play. Uh, so I think all of us, you know, have to pay attention and, uh, and start to figure out, you know, who, do, how do we need to show up right now? Who do we need to be? Right now in this circumstance, if there's ever time to organize, you know, who you're going to be now is the time, you know, get, defining that. I think that's the whole point of the book is it's a roadmap, you know, step by step on how to, how to get there and how to, you know, land in a place where you feel firmly planted in a stand that you can take. And and the stand is real. It's it's rooted deep so that, you know, when the first winds come, it doesn't knock you over. You know, you're, you're rooted in this thing because you put the, the time and effort into Thinking about it, and as I said, you know, certainly the book is is got an entrepreneur slant. Meaning, if you're somebody that that's a business owner or an entrepreneur, it's sort of a um, you know a template to work from for you. But even uh, for no matter who you are right now, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of kids don't know what to think. They're concerned. Uh, they're looking at their parents, where their parents think. There's a lot of uh, you know spouses, and you know, there's I mean, this quarantine is is you know create a lot of um, Interesting, uh, I think unintended consequences as far as depression, suicide, uh, spousal abuse, you know, relationships breaking up. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of bad stuff happens. And uh, I remember President Trump saying uh, early on, and he he caught a lot of hate for it. Um, but I, I, you know, I saw what he was saying uh, is that um, uh, you know we can't let the cure be worse than the disease. And I think he he was seeing ahead of this and. I'm not saying that I like all the decisions he makes or that he does everything right and and uh, nobody should be critical of him at times. I, th- I think that we all need to be critical of our political leaders when we feel that they're they're stepping out of line. But in that particular case, I think he was a little bit prescient and I think that the cure has been worse than the disease. I spent a lot of time yesterday on the CDC side looking at all the data and statistics and seeing, you know, uh, looking at things like, you know, death, death rates year over year for the past several years versus right now in the COVID season, looking at the total deaths in a span of time during COVID versus, uh, you know, uh, during the span of the COVID time, uh, total deaths versus COVID deaths and, and those types of things. And man, when you look at the data, it, it doesn't look anything like the hysteria that people are putting on it. So, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, again, I'm not trying to fan flames, as, as you know, I've been accused, uh, you know, I've been called uh, you know, conspiracy theorist, you know, some of the documentary work that we've done on things like GMOs, you know, uh, I point to that one because at the time we were basically letting the world know through our documentary films that we were, were releasing is that, um, you know, glyphosate, that, that monsanto has been lying about glyphosate it does cause cancer there's there's a cover-up going on so everybody's like oh no you know you're you know you're going to children in the world are going to starve because of this information you're putting out you know the gmos are the solution to feed a starving planet and and we're laying the well first of all the, the crop yield isn't what's being reported secondly the um you know there, there's real potential health risks and we don't even understand what it means to genetically modify food and ingest it into our body completely but thirdly we do know that glyphosate (laughs) causes cancer and 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 we have documentary evidence of the cover-up we went around the world and interviewed all the people and gathered all this so I, i was you know really accused of being a um a conspiracy theorist and fanning flames and you know blah 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 but sure enough a year and a half later what happens monsanto gets into discovery happens. And now, you know, why did the first guy get, what was it, 279 million? This guy was a groundskeeper, right? And I don't say that in a disparaging way, I'm just saying, you know, from an income level, he wasn't a high-wage earner, but it was determined that he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that was a byproduct of his exposure to glyphosate, which he was the groundskeeper using it. So why did the jury give him a $289 million award? Some of that was just the basic award, and some was what they call punitive damages, meaning we're punishing this company. And why are they punishing? Because they lied and they deceived, and this man now is dying because of it. And uh, so a $289 million award. So anyway, everything that we put out there that we were getting a lot of hate for turned out to be true as it was validated in a court of law where facts can come to life. So, so why do I say all that? I, I believe that when you stop taking responsibility for your life, what starts to happen is then you're subject to the whims of all these people who are, I mean, you know, the real conspiracy is Monsanto is a multi-billion dollar company that was lying to people and didn't care about the fact that they were killing people. That's, the real conspiracy, um, and not not the people who are trying to point it out, and it, I think at this point now, you know, looking at your know, uh, reclaiming liberty or, or your individuality or some of the themes that you're talking about, is that one of the things that this country is founded on is not only the rights of the individual, but there's there's a package deal there. What comes along with that is a thing called self responsibility, and and we have to start each taking responsibility for how we're gonna show up, how we're gonna behave, what our decisions are gonna be, because if you're sitting around thinking that the government is gonna come save you, you're, you're horribly, horribly misguided. Um, you have to now start putting your stock and faith in yourself, and that's gonna require, I think, you again, going through this process of identifying your philosophy, creating your values, documenting them, creating purpose from those values, and having these things as your guideposts to help you navigate through what I think is gonna be some of the most challenging times in the history of the nation.
1: Patrick, I I agree with that. I also believe that we are in a moment of, as you opened up BJ's book about Conflicts Clarify, I believe we're at a precipice of a time when people are questioning vaccinations, mass vaccinations. People are questioning Monsanto. Uh, People are questioning Johnson & Johnson because they had the asbestos in the baby powder that we're putting on children. So I believe at least the conversations I'm having over my adjusting table. I remember when people, except the small group of people believe that vaccinations must be safe because why would we give them to children if they were not safe? Now that this, this whole kind of pandemic is occurring and we're talking about forced mandatory vaccines for every man, woman, and child, there's a whole different conversation and there's a whole level of awakening that's going on right now. And so you, you said something in your book called um, uh, Awakening um, of a, what did you call it? Awakening of a change, a breakthrough. So so oh, don't anatomy you- Anatomy of a
2: breakthrough. Anatomy
1: yeah. of a breakthrough. Don't you believe that, that we're on the verge of a breakthrough societal?
2: I think the answer is I hope so. Um, the, you know, there's, this conflict is going to bring clarification um, and I was very heartened uh, so just to be clear for anybody who's who's listening um, I am uh, very vocally against forced vaccination vaccines do carry risks there's a debate about how much how bad that risk is but nobody debates that there is a risk Um, high-level experts cannot agree on safety and efficacy so now as a parent or as as an individual should I not have the right to decide if I want these substances injected into my body? And, and when I say these substances, I mean, if you ever look at the ingredients, what's in there, if you understand how they use animal tissue, to, you know, and, and some, you know, assert uh, human fetal tissue to, you know, create these vaccines and then the adjuvants, et cetera, there's a lot of really um, disturbing things if you dig deep enough in to understanding it. And I, and, and I would say, I would not want to prevent somebody from getting a vaccine if they wanted it for themselves. If they 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 were fully informed and made the decision that they wanted it for themselves or for the kids, then that's their right to choose it. But I need to have my right not to choose it. And um, so what's interesting is what happens when um, there's what's considered a public health emergency, uh, meaning that uh, that's code word for, we can take individual rights away from people by claiming a crisis, and the government can step in because of the crisis. And we and, and the courts have given them pretty much the power to do that. Um, you know the on the Supreme Court level, you know, Jacobson is the is the case from I think 1918 that you know where that where it's upheld why the the you know the government has the right to to force or mandate vaccines. But that was Jacobson was also a decision used to force sterilize mentally handicapped people. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of bad things attached to Jacobson. I, I, I think that somehow that's, there's gotta be a new case that sets a new precedent there, but ultimately, um, you know, there, there's these arguments made about herd immunity and that by me not getting a vaccine, then, then, you know, I'm, I'm endangering other people. And, uh, you know, those arguments are, are are deep and I've been in them for a long time, but uh, suffice to say that, uh, there's there's something brewing here that when you take a vaccine that's been quote unquote fast-tracked at warp speed which means they haven't had time to do the safety efficacy and everything else when you take that and then say we're going to make up seven billion you know doses and we're going to vaccinate everybody there's so much risk and irrationality with that that you know we don't even have time to, to cover it but Oh, but but some of it's just the fact that understanding that by the time this still even if it comes out pretty soon, this strain is probably passed. I, I you know we wizard by saying oh you know suddenly this isn't as bad as we thought. The death rates aren't going to be as high as we were. this is going to pass. People are going to start coming back out, and they are already starting to come back out now. We're seeing all these, uh, you know, maybe the upside of all these you know, riots, gatherings, et cetera, is the fact that, oh, a bunch of people are in close proximity. Are we, are we gonna see the sudden spike in COVID? No. Suddenly, is it gonna go through the roof? Oh, wait a minute, so quarantining really wasn't doing, this is sort of a natural process, et cetera. And, and you know, by the time they have something made, this thing is gonna be passed. <laughs> but now they wanna force everybody to have it. Are there corporate interests involved? Are those corporate interests have tentacles into our government? It's not speculation and conspiracy theory. It's absolute. it's it's known. So now the question is, are we going to take a stand on this? <laughs> you know, everybody unfortunately has this. Um, you know, they watch too many movies, and it's like, oh, you know, they, you know, the world is threatened, and you know, you know, the the, you know, the vaccines going to come in and swoop in and save the day, and at the last possible minute, we are all saved. And it, you know, that's just not reality. It's not how things work. Never did. Never will. So, um, so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, there'll be strong stand takers. And, and I was very heartened to see a survey saying that roughly uh, 50%, almost half the people said right now, they're not too interested in taking the COVID vaccine. Uh, I hope that can only escalate. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, I saw this article, I, I can't cite the reference, but where they were actually concerned that the virus is, is passing so fast that, that the vaccine really becomes um,
2: unnecessary. So well,
0: what I if, have, they, they have some, so
2: many already, you know, they're, they're saying this, there's, there's multiple strains already. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not a virologist uh, I, but I do watch them <laughs> on YouTube and, and see what they have to say about this. And, um, and you know, there's, I, I, we already know we're dealing with multiple strains of this. And, um, you know, I, I logically, I look at the East coast strain and say it seems much more lethal than in other parts of the country, you know, and, and uh, yes, you know, so so you start to just look at the general context of things and say, can are we even like have a grip on what the truth is right now relative to COVID? And I think the answer is no, we don't. And so we're going to try to create a vaccine that's going to work for it. And I think the answer is uh, it's, it's a faulty wish. Now, one possible thing that will happen is thing like, you know, like other diseases and vaccines that have come through, you know, they'll, if they develop a vaccine, everybody starts taking it. And they're gonna say, oh, look, no COVID anymore. But the reality is it was already gone or already on the way out. And they, But they attribute it to the vaccine as compared to the natural course of the disease. So true.
0: Well, they've all taken a natural course. I mean, we can go on and on. We actually have other speakers that can go on and on about vaccinations. And, and uh, so, I mean, the fact that this is a whole RNA vaccination and the studies that have already shown the devastating effects that happens to the people that take this new type of vaccination—it is the most devastating type of vaccination that will change the, your genetic structure in the future generations of your family, and that's that's just part of what's going to happen. So
2: well, I would say they, they have they have multiple types of vaccines, some of the more traditional ones, you know, like like a killed virus or attenuated virus vaccine. The way you're talking about RNA, um, and you know, with the RNA, listen, you're you're putting genetic material in your body, no matter what kind of vaccine it is. Uh, and, and the problem is you can't unring that bell. It's not like the vaccine is a, is a medication that passes through your body by processes that you detoxify through the liver, etc. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe, maybe your body was toxic for a while, but the body has a way to, to um, you know, to cleanse itself again. When you're dealing with vaccines and you know, we did a whole masterclass on healing from vaccines, the process of trying to get this stuff out of your system for the people who, have been severely injured by vaccines, um, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult and probably impossible to totally detox yourself from it. But, uh, but you can't unring the genetic bell once you start going down that path, it's a problem.
1: Yeah, we had uh, Dr. Sherry Timpany, which I know you know who she is.
2: Sure, I know Sherry. She said
1: yeah. that every vaccine that we're giving right now is an individual human experiment.
2: Well, it's, it, it, the whole thing is a mass experiment. I mean, people talk about you know, safety has been proven, you know, you realize that there are no randomized controlled clinical trials proving efficacy of vaccines. Now, let's say they run other forms of research, and a lot of it is basic science and empirical research, you know, the, they're right, why they think it looks promising right now, because they, they can, uh, you know, uh, infect animals, uh, they can, you know, first of all, inject them with the proposed vaccine. They can then infect them, expose them, see if they get sick or not, But um, uh, you know, or if they have antibodies that you know, show up in their blood post-vaccine. But then when they re-inject them or re-expose them, some of them still get very sick. So again, I don't want to lead everybody down a rabbit hole here, but there's a very big difference between, uh, between humoral immunity in the blood and cell immunity. They're not the same thing. And and you can pull out antibodies from the blood and say, oh, this is look, there's 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 immunity in this system because of the antibodies in the blood, but that doesn't necessarily mean the t- cells are protected. And there's there's ways to kind of prove that out. And then further to say that you know, do we have control groups involved here? Have, do we have a randomized population that we're doing this with? Um, you know, it, 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 do we have a placebo? You know, that we're running. Any drug that gets put on the market, this stuff is required. And even with proper RCTs, randomized, control, randomized clinical control trials, even with them, drugs get put on the market, and they still have to be taken off later because the, you know, with the best research, documentation, experimentation, safety, and efficacy studies, they still get it wrong. So imagine something that doesn't even go through that, like a vaccine. And, uh, and, and when you're looking at vaccines, it's something... Much more, I believe, um, uh, you know, pathological or toxic that's being put into the body, um, and directly it's biped. It's not going through like in your mouth, like a pill, and digested through your system, and it's directly injected. I mean, it, it's it's so th- it's probably a whole different thing to talk about, uh, you know, a whole different uh, you know uh, podcast. But but in the end, um, and listen, I respect people if they want to take a stand on the other side of it, be open to the debate you know, and be considerate of other people's rights. You know, I, I've been in that, I've been in public debates on this issue. And uh, I, 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 as long as there's respect and civility in the process, it's great. Unfortunately, there's not much respect and civility in the process. If you, if you even question vaccines, it's like questioning an orthodoxy. And, and then you're, you know, you, the ad hominem attacks come and people try to, you know, discredit you, tear down your character, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, the truth will do. And over time, the truth usually emerges. Um, you you know, as whole, soon as
0: I say anything about what's that, you have a whole revealed series, right, on
2: on vaccination. So obviously, you oh, know, sure. you got a great opportunity. And, and, and the interesting thing about is that you know we're not out there just getting opinions of of uh, non knowledgeable people. I mean, I, I literally, I interviewed some of the scientists who developed some of these. Vaccines. I've interviewed PhDs at at, you know prestigious universities who work in this field to get their ideas, their thoughts, their input. So you know we go through a series of of conversations that are factually based, and I'm happy for people to dispute the facts if they'd like to, and and we could talk about that. But you know what people want to say is, oh, and the Earth is flat. Like that's a response. To you know, 20 hours of expert uh, you know communicate expert input and communication and and so on. Can you just actually look at any of the content that's presented and please tell me what's wrong with with the content as compared to trying to say that I'm you know that uh, if if I question vaccines I must think the earth is flat. You know, this, this is where you know, it goes off the rails. Yeah.
1: So Patrick, we're gonna put a link on for your book. Uh, where can people find your revealed films?
2: So uh, for my book itself, you know, you can go to uh, Amazon. If you want to get some bonuses, which are some, you know, uh, footage of lectures and so on I've given that can go with it. Go to gentempo.com, my last name. When you buy your book, it has all the booksellers there. You're still buying it from the booksellers, but then you can take that order number, put it in at gentempo.com, and then, um, uh, you know, you'll get the bonus materials that I think are really good companions for the book. Um, For Revealed Films, you can just go to revealedfilms.com. And, and probably the one thing that we're taking a strong, I'm sorry, say it again. I was going to spell your name. Oh yeah. It's with a G, G E N T E M P O. If you can see the bottom of my little screen there, it's uh, it's on yeah, there. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing I'm taking a really strong stand on right now. That's highly disturbing to me. There's a couple of things. One is the censorship issue. There is rampant censorship going on right now where if you have any type of an uh, a dissenting voice against any of what the party line is right now you're wiped off of all social media et cetera. for example i can't host vaccines revealed anywhere right now you're know, just you know like literally any of the hosting services they they've sent us letters saying take it down in 48 hours we're or ch- or canceling your whole account so it's, I, I wish i could even show it to people i can't um and, you know so i think that that's wrong you know uh censoring you know uh free thinking and seeing a poet—that's that, about the most culturally American thing there is—but no, that's not allowed. So, uh, so I'm taking a stand on that. And then the, the main stand we're working on right now—we're we're, we're looking to start a movement on this. Um, it's called uh, uh, "Connection is not infection." And you know, I think you know the summary of, of maybe this conversation is exactly that. I, I'm starting to see the sign of the mask and the sign of separation as a very lethal thing for humanity. And um, I, I, uh, you know, right now, uh, if COVID taught us anything, it taught us that we're all inextricably connected. It's irrepressible. We shut down the entire world, the economies. We didn't let people go out. We isolated businesses, flights, everything. And guess what? It reached everybody. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your socioeconomic levels are. I don't care how remote you were. It reached you. So what that taught me, my takeaway was we are all connected and we're connected in ways that we never, never understood before. Now I have two choices. Either that connection represents infection. Oh my God, I have to, I say, oh, don't come near me. Or I look and say, I celebrate that connection. Wow. I am so connected to every other being in this world, and maybe we're not going to agree on some things, and you might have a different point of view about this, or that. But the fact that we're so connected is something we're celebrating in my mind. So to me, connection is not infection; connection is celebration. So my wife and I, we you know, we have a thing called uh, Enliven Humanity, and, um, and we're putting together a whole campaign now to start uh, you know to for people to take a stand that connection is not infection. Let's not try to separate. Let's not try to uh, worry about our humanity connection, our connection humanity infecting each other. But let's try to celebrate that a little bit and see if we can heal because we need some healing right now. And
0: maybe connection is not infection, but connection is affection.
2: <laughs> yes. I love it. Well, that, that should be your stand now. I love it. See? And so what we're hoping to do is to guide everybody back to, uh, you know, a, a stand taker page saying, okay, what stand are you going to take? And th- that would be a great one. And everybody start to post those things and then we can start to connect in that way. Cool.
1: Well, I think we have to start wrapping this up. Uh, Dr. Patrick, Gentempo. thank you for all you do through the years, for your book, your reveal films. Uh, we know that it's having an impact around the world and in a most profound way. So we love you and appreciate you.
2: Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me so much. Really great to be with you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resurrecting Our Freedom. If you also believe in upholding our constitutional freedoms, please like, subscribe and follow us.